Hi, everyone. Welcome to Melissa and Lori Love Literacy. We are super pumped up for our guests today, or tonight, I should say, because we're podcasting in the evening. Uh, We have two comeback guests. It's their second time around. Melissa, how excited are you to talk to them tonight? Well, it's so great to have our good friends back, but it's really exciting because uh, school starts for them tomorrow for teachers, <laughs> and we get to talk to them the night before. It's like the night before school starts. <laughs> was the night before the first day. <laughs> All right, so Katie and Kier, thank you so much for coming back again. Uh, your podcast was one of the top uh, listened to, so we know everybody is used to hearing your voices, but welcome back. <laughs> Hey, good evening, everybody. (laughs) Uh, So tell us a little bit about um, what you've been up to since we last talked to you. We know we've had some virtual learning stuff going on. Um, We know that you're you're getting ready for the school year coming up. What are you thinking right now? Kier, Uh, we'll start with you. (laughs) Okay. Katie's had more fun, so let's definitely end on like a fun summer. Okay. Uh, So summer's been really... Uh, busy for me. So there's a course that I teach through Johns Hopkins with Urban Teachers. It's a race and equity course, given some of the events, you know, that happened this summer and this uh, spring, late spring, right? It was a very relevant course to be teaching. I did virtual learning with uh, the incoming sixth graders or those rising sixth graders at Waverly uh, four days a week, which was super cool. We had a town hall every Friday. So that was kind of (laughs) nice to get my feet wet. Um, facilitating professional development with wit and wisdom and kind of virtually traveling to all parts of the country, including Alaska. Which yes, is that was nice. today, right? <laughs> yep, that was today. So if I sound jet lagged, although I guess nobody can see me doing air quotes online, but whatever. Anyways, I just feel a little, a little jet lagged, um, so to speak. But it's been a really fun summer. The one thing that I'll end with that is really on my mind is there's still this idea of like, cautious optimism, right? That I'm unsure what this fall is going to look like. And I am a little worried about how we get the literacy supports to all of our students and do that virtually with the same potency that we would if we were in person in brick and mortar. But there's the optimistic side, though, that we're still at this, uh, people would say inflection point. We're just at a moment and a crossroads in education where we could be so much more than we currently are. And it would be great that if instead of folks you know, coming at the district ready for a fight that we could just look at some objective facts and say, we could really rethink teaching and help all students, um, especially black and brown students, um, improve their literacy outcomes. How do we do that together? So let's like put down the, you know, weapons, let's sheathe our tongues and let's really get better at the teaching aspect. So I'm just optimistic that education as we know it could be so much better. But in order to do that, we have to do what's right instead of being concerned with being right. And that seems to kind of be the dialogue nowadays. So let's talk about education. Let's talk about curriculum. Let's talk about how we make teachers better and how we can support parents and families. That should be our objective, not this us versus them, even though the same goal is students. So all that other stuff in between is very silly to me. It's very silly to us too. We agree. (laughs) Katie, welcome. How have you been? Hi, I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for having us again. Um, So, I mean, since we were last year, last we talked, we were um, reflecting on our first year of implementation, correct, Mm Kier? So, I mean, since then, we had a very successful second year of implementation. Um, I would say even successful after March. Mm -hmm. Many teachers worked really hard to keep it going um, as well as we could, and we learned a lot from there that we're going to talk about tonight. Um, But over the summer, I've been um, working a lot with my ILT to figure out what this is going to look like in the upcoming year, doing a lot of advanced planning, um, doing a lot of PD on uh, virtual um, instruction and how to make make the best of it. Um, I've been reading the distance learning playbook, which um, I really think is a must read for all teachers right now. Um, and I've been doing a lot of parent town halls and just getting input from families and stakeholders. And like here, I've done a bunch of wit and wisdom PDs as well. Um, and mainly, uh, fielding questions about, um, what this looks like virtually and how we can support our students virtually. And to be honest, um, Kira and I actually did, my last session was, uh, Kira and I were both co-facilitating, which was great. Yes. Um, but, um, 
you know, I think people just appreciate the fact that Kira and I are both like, you know, it's, it's not going to be the same and it is going to be a challenge. Um, but, but we can do it. And uh, we've been just trying to share what has worked for us with participants and some just concrete strategies. Um, so it's been great to network with other educators who are in the same, same uh, situations as us. So we've been keeping busy. And all of a sudden, school starts tomorrow. So, yeah. <laughs> <I'm flash>. yeah. <laughs> yeah, Katie, I was going to say, I mean, what you said is exactly why I think people really listen to your the first podcast with the two of you. Because, you know, we were talking about, like, change to the new curriculum. And you guys just, you really gave a really nice way of thinking about, yep, <laughs> it's different. There are things that are hard. <laughs> but there's also so many positives for it. And I think that that's why we really want to talk to you guys tonight too, because I think we're in a similar boat again, right? (laughs) (laughs) Things are changing again and it's hard, but there's, there's some positives in there too. So I'm excited to dig in with you guys tonight. Awesome. I think the, the thing that's sticking with me is that we, you all have a, a high quality curriculum and that's something that's really important to you know, name moving forward, like obviously this podcast is framed around that. But for teachers who don't, that's, I think, going to be even a big struggle. Um, we ha- had Jared, I'm going to say his last name right this time, Melissa. Markle. Is it Markle? Markle. It, it's like, I don't know if it's his Tennessee accent. I'm not saying it. <laughs> I follow him on Twitter. I know, but it looks like Miracle and it's Markle. It's Miracle. I, I said it wrong. Um, he said everybody's teaching when everybody teaches from the same playbook, that's like one of the keys for, you know, the first key really for virtual um, learning. And we totally, totally agree. So we know that you all are stepping into your virtual classrooms really soon. Um, tomorrow you don't have students, but in the next, right in the next, you have yep, students they come back 8th. September 8th. Yeah. That's right, yeah. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about like everything that is, is going on? Like, what are your schedules looking like? Are you, what are you feeling most nervous about? Um, what, you know, what platforms are you using? How are you going to be translating the curriculum? I mean, really, we would love to hear just every single detail. And, um, (laughs) like, I'm honestly on the edge of my seat about it. I really, I can't wait to hear what, what y'all are doing. (laughs) You just asked a lot of questions. I know, I know. (laughs) And then maybe here you can answer. (laughs) How about this? Yeah. When you get tired, just sort of like tag me in. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> um, so to be completely transparent, um, I went into the building today um, to get some technology because I mean we've been thinking about how this is going to look, right? And I went into the building today, and it was very. Um, I think I've been like getting by with all my to do lists and thinking about all the stuff to do, and the gravity of going into the classroom and and just being in the empty building when really this is a time when we're setting up and seeing all our colleagues and hugging each other and being excited for a new year uh, really hit me today, and it was very emotional. Um, But what I went to get in my classroom, one of the big things that I think is going to be kind of a game changer for me that I didn't use in the spring or was a document camera. So I was talking to Kara a little bit before about how I want to really hook up my document camera because I want to be able to share the text with my students. And like you said, part of having that high quality curriculum is that our students are going to have those texts in their hands as well. But I would like to be able to present them to my students when we're going through those content stages with them presenting those vocabulary words. Um, in terms of platforms, we are using Google Classroom for uh, three to eight, or no, two to eight, and K to one is using Seesaw, I think, or pre-K and K is using Seesaw, early childhood is using Seesaw, we're using Google Classroom. Um, we are back to using Zoom, um, so we've had some PD on using Zoom for teaching uh, some of the effective features that Kira and I have definitely seen through virtual PD is the use of the breakout rooms, which I'm really excited about. Um, and then we have InSync, uh, which we've talked about a little bit about. And what I really think what is great about the InSync is that we have the what, like you said, we have the what, we have the standards, we have a knowledge-based curriculum. So what we're trying to do right now as teachers is figure out a little bit more of the how. How am I going to make this more engaging for my students? How are all my students going to access this? How can I collaborate with my peers to make sure um, that this is going well? Um, so to me, InSync takes a lot off my plate. Right now, I'm not having to make the PowerPoints. Right now, I'm not having to look at the standards and figure out how I'm going to present them virtually. Right now, 
I'm just thinking about how I'm going to take in sync and present it to my students, which we are going to be doing through Google Classroom and through uh, Zoom for our synchronous sessions. Mm-hmm. Do you want to do a quick little, um, have you seen NSYNC? Uh, yes, I have seen um, the teacher facing. I haven't seen the student facing. Yeah. Okay. Because I think like some of our listeners, I'm sure are thinking what's in sync. Um, so in sync is uh, Timberlake. Yeah, it is Justin, Justin Timberlake. Timberlake. Yes. <laughs> Go ahead. Here, we'll, we just cue you. Go ahead. Bye 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 bye. I'm also unsure if I'm singing Backstreet Boys at this point. So I don't know <laughs> which one is bye bye bye. Um, I, you know what? I'll see myself off this. Uh, <laughs> Here, I will see you now. You can explain what InSync is. <laughs> well, what we really needed is just like, how am I this uncool? Like, why do I not know? in sync anyways we've got some lyrics we'll continue to workshop yeah, we'll this wordsmithed. Yeah. you know what uh, we could even do yeah. a music video at some point if we really wanted to get get crazy like low-key i really do actually <laughs> it would be a great back to school remember like idea. a couple years no last year in baltimore we had the back to school bounce right the, the, there were the, group of the students yeah. did that i think that we should do the same thing i don't know like the literacy lean or something it could be a new dance like post up on the side of a building and read a book and call it the literacy lane. Anyways, we could all that hashtag. But with the we in sync with the wit and wisdom books in our hands. Yes. Yes. Spot on. Spot on. <laughs> hashtag in sync. Hashtag literacy lane. Come on, folks. Now, when I'm you explain now, you on task. So you are now talking <laughs> what in sync is in the digital teaching world. Yes, yes. So InSync, besides just being a boyhood dream of mine to uh, infiltrate the uh, band, is a really cool wit and wisdom online platform. So Katie had already alluded to this, but when we did distance learning, the other term that was used, right, everybody was crisis learning. So we hopped in and March through June just taught. Now, I'll be honest, if we had not had wit and wisdom, and this is not necessarily a plug for wit and wisdom, but rather kudos to the district for choosing wit and wisdom. If we didn't have wit and wisdom, it it would have been more work for teachers, at least in my opinion. But the fact that we had a knowledge building curriculum, if you had just kind of taken a deep breath and stood back and you just thought to yourself, okay, what are those module goals in module three? what is the module theme in module four that I needed to do? Then you're able to align some of that. And I had conversations with parents who said, look, Mr. K, we're not going to be able to join every live lesson. I said, that's fine. Here's what I'd like you to do though. Right now in module three, we're learning a little bit about Jamestown. I will just send you a text and here are some things that you can do. Ask your kids some questions. What do they notice and wonder as they watch this YouTube video? I know it seems kind of simple or basic, but just go to YouTube and continue to build your knowledge. If you didn't even want to do that, <clears throat> what is your student or child really interested in? Oh, they really like whales? That's fantastic. Google whales, watch all the videos you can about whales, read, look at pictures, and just ask some pretty basic questions. And here are the questions that we ask in class. Parents were really happy with that. And in, in, in Wit and Wisdom, they're the parent tip sheets. Um, and you can get those in the resource section on the digital teacher edition uh, via the website. But for anyone out there listening, just walking through some basic steps with parents at orientation, like, hey, if your kid can't join every lesson or if you don't expect them to and they're going to do a lot of asynchronous, that's fine. Do be real with them that some of the learning is going to be lost and it's not going to be as potent as joining a live lesson. But if for one reason or another, because of like techwity or whatever the issue is, they have to join asynchronously, there are ways to continue to build knowledge. So that's like the first plug why I'm really excited about InSync. InSync has taken the meal that is wit and wisdom online and chewed the meat and spit out the bones. So you have the bare essentials to help your students uh, with the assessments and that end of module task. And as Katie said, there's no more of like, well, what are we gonna do? How do I figure this out? The PowerPoints are done, the video is done, and the video is done such that it's supposed to be a co-teaching model. There's a great minds teacher who's helping walk through the lesson right? Like Lori, uh, I'm doing vocabulary videos. It's pretty cool. Um, And then you, the teacher, like Katie and myself, right? Like we're in the classroom with our students to do those breakout rooms on Zoom to assign that extra uh, work or the extension work via Google Classroom. InSync is going to help teachers. What I would caution and maybe even admonish, and I apologize, is 
this doesn't replace our teaching. It's not sort of like, oh, hey, kids, it's a video day. I'm just going to, you know, put my sunglasses on, kick out my feet <laughs> and play the video sort of like bad teacher with Cameron Diaz. We do still have work to do. Yeah. But I do think that it takes a lot of some of the planning and the minutia of what we would have gotten anxious about away. And it allows us to actually be more effective practitioners. Um, I'll end by saying that I personally love using Nearpod. So like Katie, I'm going to be using Google Classroom as sort of like the main learning hub for students to come and get asynchronous work, extension work, get links that they need. Zoom will be that uh, platform where we do the live lessons. And then I'm going to be using Nearpod because it's just a great way to capture uh, data from students in addition to that engagement piece, right? Collaborative boards, students being able to annotate. I can give them uh, feedback in real time, um, Kahoot style games and quizzes, virtual field trips. Nearpod's amazing. But yeah, you use Nearpod yeah. a lot in the spring, right? Yes, I use it in the spring and even with graduate students this summer. It's awesome. What kinds of things did you do in the spring with them? Well, so one of the things, I, we did a lot of collaborate boards where students could like post post-its up. So what would happen is we would watch a video because I could embed a YouTube video into the Nearpod and, uh, you know, we'd watch the video and students would respond. They could respond to each other in real time as they see their classmates sort of post a digital post-it and they can, you know, like what somebody else said, respond to it. I can see it and approve comments in real time, which was amazing. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, Nearpod's also like a product of Microsoft. So there's this really cool feature called the immersive reader. And it's a cool function that will not only let students translate some slides into any language that Microsoft has. So just think like Google Translate, right? But students can also have it read at different speeds by, by different voices. They can highlight the various parts of speech. So as you're thinking about even though it's imperfect, how can we approximate some of those accommodations for our students with IEPs or 504s or BIPs? That immersive reader function is really helpful for students to click a button and some reading is being done. Pictures are popping out for various words and so are definitions. That's incredibly helpful. And what's great about Nearpod is you can also post it to your Google Classroom. Students can access that lesson asynchronously or away from you, you can record over slides and they can also voice record answers if they're using Google Chrome. I think you just did a great advertisement for that. So they're going to give you some kickbacks after this. <laughs> yeah, I, I really honestly just want a shirt and a mug. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe like a, um, like a tumbler, you know. Yeah, hey, that'd be cool. I just want to uh, piggyback on something. It's not a real podcast until someone says piggyback, right? Um, on something Kira just said about the co-teaching model and not only relying on those videos. So one of the things we really got uh, from feedback in the spring, um, I did a Google form for students and parents. And one of the things we heard loud and clear is that they didn't want long videos from teachers that were not their teachers. And while I, I so appreciate knowledge on the go, I think it was what we needed in the time. It really helped us um, I appreciate that Wit and Wisdom heard that feedback too. And the videos that are going to be in NSYNC are much shorter videos. So what I can do as a teacher is I can watch those videos the night before. I can see what's the meat of this lesson. I can show my students those videos and then I can personalize it. I can think about, okay, from this video, now what do my students need? And that might be like what Kier said is Nearpod. Let's make this more interactive. Let's put a discussion board here, right? Um, but it's not, I guess the silver lining of this pandemic is that technology can't replace teachers. I think when we were in the classroom, we were like, how can we integrate technology more? I'm telling you the first day I get back in real person teaching, my kids aren't touching a computer. <laughs> but we've learned that kids still crave that relationship, right? So we need to know what is in InSync, which is a video. It has the PowerPoints. It has, one of my favorite parts is it has the uh, workbook pages in a fillable document. So students can just type right into it. Teachers yes. can that document right away. Let's take all that and how can I now turn it around and talk to my students about how they're doing? Um, how can I support all levels of my students? Um, and that's where that relationship piece comes in. And it's very important. I just want to echo what Kier just said. We are not just posting our in-sync lessons in our Google Classroom and calling it a day. Yeah. The in-sync lesson and what I do appreciate and I'll say um, just a logistical piece is that when you have the in-sync, what you have is a two-column chart that says, this is what's going to happen in the in-sync lesson, and this is what teachers can do to support it. Real That's right. 
years. So I can just go back and I can look at it. These are the things I can do in my live synchronous session. And this is what's going to happen in the in-sync asynchronous session. And I really appreciate that they did not take real teachers out of the equation here. Yeah. Because that's what our students need right now. I feel like in sprint or in the fall, no, I'm sorry. I don't even know what day it is. <laughs> the, like what the, season? Whatever season. In, in the spring, we got by because of our relationships we established. That's right. We did. And I am a little bit worried about that because now we're going to have to work harder on that relationship. Like we always hear connection before that content. Um, and that's what we need to do more of. InSync is going to be vital for us, but it is not replacing the real hard work that teachers are going to do every day to get that content, but build a relationship with the students online. Yeah. I was going to actually ask you when you were talking, mm-hmm. Katie, about that, because I'm not going back into a classroom, but if I was, I feel like that's what I'd be most nervous about is how do you build relationships relationships over <laughs> the Zoom. computer? I know. I mean, uh, I know as adults, we do it, you know, with, for work and for things like that. But I think yeah, for kids, it's, I don't know. I don't know if it's easier, harder. I, yeah. I don't know. What do you guys think? Like, how, how are you going to build relationships? Do you think kids, how are you, how are your kids, how did your kids adapt in the spring, even though they already knew you? And then like, what are you anticipating doing in just a, a week or so? Uh, Kira, do you want to take this or do you want me to start? Yeah, let me get my life together. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say one of the biggest things that I learned in the spring was feedback from students. So like every day, like what went, I really want to know, and this is what we do in our classroom too, like what went well for you and what, what are you struggling with? What I found in the, in the spring is that some of my highest performing students were some of the students that were having the hardest time with distance learning. So I really wanted to know what is causing, what is causing the struggle? What, what are you having the most difficult time with? Um, and that could be done through a Google form that could be done through conversation that could be done through a poll in zoom. Um, but one of the things I heard loud and clear, um, I know, I'm sure you've seen the hashtag, what I wish my teacher knew. That's one thing I did with my students, what I wish my teacher. Aww, knew. Yeah. And I did it that always virtually. makes me cry when they say it. <laughs> I did it virtually too. And I said, you can tell me anything you wish that I knew like what your favorite sport was, but it, you know, some of it turns out to be some really serious stuff that we might not know about our, our kids. And one of my favorite ones that I always think about is, one of my students said, what I wish my teacher knew is that sometimes she talks too much and we can do the work. Right. Mm -hmm. And I feel like as teachers, we do, we talk a lot. We talk at kids and virtually they're going to check out even quicker than they do in person. And so we really have to think about making our lessons short and sweet. And that's what InSync did. And that's what we're trying to do as well so that students can get to work. And so when we talk about relationship building, what I think about is just hearing our kids, hearing what they're saying, not just hearing, but then applying it to our class the next day. What can I change as a teacher um, so that they know they're heard, they know that their opinion and their voice matters. Um, And I think that's where I'm going to start, honestly, is maybe some sort of daily like check-in, check-out slip, um, Google Forms, um, so that they know that we're listening. Yeah. I think so. As, as, as you're saying all that, Katie, the one thing that I'm also getting is, you know, trust. And it's a little cliche, but I do think that it's still very true that you can't spell trust without us, right? And to that end, because we don't know our students more likely than not, um, a lot of us, or at least if you're a teacher like me, I don't know this incoming group of fifth graders. They, you know, when we're at school, they're actually on a whole different floor than I am. I don't have very much interaction other than me coming up the stairs, probably seemingly looking very mean and stern as I'm sort of like shepherding my students up the stairs. And they're just like, oh, there's the mean guy that's going to be a reading teacher next year. I'm like, you know, not entirely untrue, um, but I say that it's it's important to build trust because it is a very much an us process. If students or parents or guardians and families are made to feel othered, and it's us versus them, not us with us, the process is lost. And this also is the same for in person, but it's the, there's added import virtually via Zoom. So for me, this looks like getting my class roster, which I have, making phone calls to parents ahead of time and saying, I am going to be 
available. We are on the same team. Our goal as teammates is to get your child, my student, to the academic finish line, right? And that it, it's a very much, it's a together process. So, you know, part of the building the relationships, teacher to student, teacher to family, is making outreach before school starts, setting those boundaries about when you can contact me, how you can contact me, right? How does your child respond to consequences? What is it that you want me to teach your child that's not in the curriculum? How do you <laughs> want to be addressed and, you know, um, um, contacted this year? What did your you know child struggle with before? What are their strengths? What are their interests? Then teachers can build on that going into the school year. You know, I like asking uh, really silly hot takes questions that get kids talking, right? Like, um, is it weird to eat, you know, uh, wings with a fork or would you prefer to eat them with your finger, right? Is hot sauce overrated? Stuff like that. So I'll ask my kids a lot of these questions and it really gets them talking, um, you know, and then just not being very cool kind of promotes a lot of building of the classroom community in general. Well, I, I think you're willing to make yourself be vulnerable through humor, right? Yes. It ain't no lie, right, Lori? Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. I've been waiting for that line this entire podcast, but yes. <laughs> for the end, too. We'll That's do it right. again. We'll do it again. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. do want to put a quick plug into the uh, Baltimore City uh, Wholeness Office. Yes. Uh, they have really been... Uh, working hard to provide us with support and um, things that we can, strategies we can use with our students. I actually have these um, SEL cards. I um, love those, yeah. That I just plan on keeping on my desk and putting them in a near pod slide and opening yeah. up. Um, you know, this one I just opened to a random one. It says, describe some ways you let other, others know you respect them and what you respect about them. Yeah, so just, this is really awesome. These are, you know, district district things. District is really pushing the student wholeness and how we can build it into our yep. virtual lessons as well. And I really do feel supported um, by them in this work. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to that end, Katie, that there's a way that I can adhere to the district sort of like uh, minutes and scheduling requirements in my school. Because what I did in the spring was... Um, of the five days, three days were sort of content days. Um, so I, uh, you know, I'd go Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, where I would do a wit and wisdom lesson. Um, Wednesdays, we'd stop and do a, an entirely SEL lesson. We learned how to write, you know, haikus uh, and other forms of poetry all throughout April. Friday was all about what I called the Friday focus, right? Affirmations, acknowledgements, and apologies to ourselves and to others. And that was the entire lesson. So I'm hoping that there's a way that I can incorporate some of that, which touches on the district's push for SEL. Um, because, I mean, you you know as well as I do, Katie, that part of what's, I mean, do I, yes, intrinsically, I hope that students are joining the lesson because they want to learn, but I would also be naive to say that students weren't just joining to just be on the lesson and just be seen and heard, and some, I'm sure, were maybe loosely paying attention, and to me, it actually doesn't matter what you needed, just the fact that you were there and you recognized that you needed something, right, yeah. that kids were joining to get some sort of need. Maybe it was to interact with friends if we did a breakout room, you know, you might not be participating in the chat or the lesson proper, but you just needed that connection. That's what kids are missing. And that's going to be why they show up. But it's also yeah. going to be important, as Katie said, that if we don't do these things and acknowledge that they need these, that's also going to be why they'll quickly drop off and sort of opt for asynchronous learning or just away from the teacher because needs aren't being met. I, I really feel though, that some of this stuff is embedded in our curriculum, right? So it is. Yeah, our, our, our schedule has 10 minutes of SEL at the beginning and 10 minutes of SEL at the end. Same here. Oh, I mean, Kira does a fantastic job of getting his students to see themselves in the curriculum through the stories that we are reading with them every day, through what is happening to the characters. Is that happening to me? What, what will I do if a similar situation happens to me? How will I react? These are the type of discussions that are coming from the rigorous texts that we have. Yeah. Uh, and I will say like some of the feedback that I get from my students is I just love hearing you read and reading with you um, and experiencing that joy of reading. And I think, again, having this curriculum already sets us up for not only that high quality instruction, but those SEL connections as well. That's yeah. right. I was thinking that the whole time that you both were talking. So Katie, I'm glad you said it. Um, 
since, you know, I'm doing the, the seventh grade, um, I'm the great minds teacher for seventh grade and the whole, you know, the whole first unit is, or module is focusing on identity. And when we, the, the whole time, every time I open a lesson, I'm just like, oh my gosh, I wish that I had had this when I was in seventh grade. I would be a better person, a better human. Like to think about society's impact on you and, yeah. and your identity is uh, that transcends everything, right? And like every kid can be hooked into that with the stories um, that they were reading. I mean, they're all texts that are um, based in the medieval times and, and, you know, middle ages. And the characters are really relatable because they're their age um, and, and several of the texts. And it's just those those topics are so exploratory mm-hmm. that the I mean, I was hooked again as like an inner, the inner child inside of me. And I just kept thinking if I were in seventh grade, how much I would have grown as a person to to engage in this module of study. And, you know, I wish that, that every child has that opportunity to, to engage in this, you know, deep thought and really exploring these topics. So, you know, some of the topics I know, um, do you guys want to share your, your module one topics just so those listening? I mean, do I? Yes. (laughs) So here's the thing. And and this is exactly what Katie was talking about. Uh, More often than not, sometimes you'll hear teachers that are teaching wit and wisdom say, you know, I don't see my kids in the curriculum. I'm unsure how to make this come alive. The module topics are really important topics that kids should be exposed to. Um, and I also know that, you know, in this district, uh, our superintendent, Dr. S, talks a lot, our CEO, I should say, sorry, talks a lot about windows and mirrors. Like we want our students to see themselves in the characters and in the module, but we also want to expose them. I mean, I think that if we're talking about equity, it's also unfair to say that it's only them, only them, but rather as teachers, if we believe in the science around building background knowledge and the importance of building knowledge in general, we understand that if we're looking for high engagement, high expectations, rigorous text, and students doing a majority of the thinking, that's loosely pulled right from the opportunity myth from the teacher, the new teacher project. But I say all that to say that like exposing students to those is not enough. Teachers also have to see themselves as equity agents and providing those opportunities in the classroom. Now, I'm not saying that some of our kids will never travel and get those experiences. I'm not saying that. But if we can provide a level playing field in the classroom, it's incumbent upon us to do that because we can do it. So we should do it. Um, Now, with respect to module one for grade six, it's all about resilience in the Great Depression. So I'm thinking it's not that much work as I'm getting to know my students the first day, first week, first month of the school year to flip that module content around. How do you see yourself as being resilient? How is Baltimore a resilient city, right? Our first focusing question to ask is what makes Bud a survivor? What makes you a survivor? Or um, our essential question is about how does enduring hard time or tremendous hardship lead to personal growth and transformation, What hardships have you gone through in your life that led to a better outcome at the end? Like you're better for this hardship, right? Those are easy module connections that students now are able to make text to self connection. And I know that that's a little de-emphasized in wit and wisdom, but when we're talking about how do you build that rapport and how do you do that virtually, what was the Rita Pearson TED talk, right? That like kids don't learn from people that they don't trust or like. We have to show as Katie was saying, right, that uh, building the relationship before the rigor, right, and the curriculum, this is how we do that. But we're also using the curriculum or at least some of its themes as a vehicle to get there, and that's okay. So making sure that we ask these questions, teachers should sit down, look at your module topics, and just find where are those lines of differences and those lines of similarities, and how can I make this approachable and palatable to students? Oh, resilient. How are we a resilient people? How are you a resilient person? How is our city resilient? Or whatever it happens to be. Second grade's talking about change in the weather. How do people change? How does somebody doing or saying something to you change your mood or your attitude? How have you grown since the first grade? Pretty easy. And it's still related to the module theme itself. Yeah. I want you to know that when you said the uh, module... um, you were talking about the module. Every single person on the screen had a little smile, 
like talk thinking about resilience. And I was like, see, that's why. That's why it's a big, big topic to talk yeah. about. Like, I don't know if you all realize that you did that, but everybody went <laughs> like a little half smile, like, oh, resilience. That's so good, you know? <laughs> yeah. Resilience, right? Like what they're doing right now. Oh, Melissa, we can't, you went, your, um, your mic went, there you go. Your mic went down a bit. Is it just me or can you guys hear Melissa? I can't hear her. It's a little low. Okay, can you hear me? Yep, that's better. But you yes. can't wait better. for the baby, so. Better. We'll go with that. <laughs> that's better. You're better. You're good now. Go ahead. Say it again. When you were talking about the Great Depression, I can't help but think like we're living through something now that like in 50 years, well, there'll be probably be a book about how people were resilient during this time. That's right. <laughs> like, yeah. About our kids. And how they're, I mean, you're oh. all making history. <laughs> this is what, look, Jimmy World said it best. We're in the middle of the ride right now. We're in the middle <laughs> of it. Like, this is it. Uh, two songs tonight. So if you're doing that podcast bingo, you're welcome. Yeah, you're good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my module, fourth grade, yeah. is my favorite module to start off. And I'm sure, Kira, if you could think of a song to go with my module, that'd be great. Oh, my favorite yeah. to start the year off is a great heart. So how do you show a literal great heart and how do you show a figurative great heart? So we start the year and talking about the inner workings of your circulatory system. And kids love, you know, I was worried at first because words like um, plasma and very scientific vocabulary in their hemoglobin like my kids aren't gonna be able to read these words. They love reading those. Yeah. I love telling people that if you took out all of your uh, blood vessels out of your body, they would wrap around the world two times. You know, they, they're so into that. But then we transition to the figurative great heart. So um, how do you show a great figurative heart? Who do you know in your life that has a great figurative heart? How have those people impacted you? The SEL connection is like here said, I mean, it's, it's there for me and the kids are super into it. Um, and that's, that's really one of the things that I love, love most about the curriculum. You have to tell everyone that Katie has a picture of a heart right behind her. I know. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. So um, my daughter was helping me decorate my home office today. And uh, that actually, we spend our summer in the mountains. And that's a heart that says, I love you to the mountains and that. Huh. So maybe that's a visual for my first it, module. I thought you decorated for the module. I didn't, but you know, <laughs> a lot of it's everywhere, right? Great heart. When there's, a, I mean, there's the, the first text is, um, the, well, not the text, the figurative heart text is love that dog. Is love that dog. Yeah. Which is a poetry text. Yes. And it's really relatable for them. It's really relatable. That's one of the first texts that I was reading with my students and, um, cried and students were crying too. Um, and at first I was like, well, this is kind of embarrassing, but then I was like, no, like I was so into the book and they were so into the book that reading brings you that emotion. And, and yeah. I feel like that creates lifelong readers is making that connection with text and them seeing themselves in the story. Yeah. Tot I couldn't agree more. <laughs> um, so one of the things we, we wanted to chat about are how we saw this Twitter post and, and I put it in our notes to talk about, because we don't, we want, we want everybody to know that like, we recognize that teachers are making history you're all doing a job that is, has never been done before. You know, I have lots of friends who are teachers and I was talking to one today and um, he, he happens to be a high school teacher. And I was like, you're making history. You're going to be great. Like, I can't wait to hear in a couple of weeks how it's going. It's just, it's such an exciting time while a little bit nerve, nerve wracking. Um, but I saw a post on Twitter that uh, said, Katie, thank you for, for quoting it exactly. Um, Mr. Rogers was one of the greatest teachers of all time. And he did it all virtually. And I kind of was like, I mean, he put a sweater on and threw a shoe across the room. And then like the production company came in and, you know, made the connection with the, the audience. And I love Mr. Rogers. I cried when he died. Like I grew up with him. And so I don't want to un undermine his importance <laughs> in life. Um, but like, I, I kind of felt like that was kind of like, I don't know, not, what we were not what we were going for. Um, it just, I, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way, but then I didn't want it to. So I just wanted to talk about it with you too and, and hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. So when I first read that, I was trying to figure out, like I had similar feelings and I was trying to figure out why, why is this rubbing me the wrong way? I mean, like Daniel Tiger basically helped me raise my child. Right. So <laughs> I, I love, I love them. I love Mr. Rogers. I love Daniel Tiger, but I think what I didn't love about that 
you know, again, I'm going to say it said he was one of the greatest teachers of all time and he did it all virtually. To me, that makes virtual teaching seem like put your sweater on, get some fancy shoes, grab yourself a puppet and we're good to go. Um, And I really think that um, I've had so many conversations with teachers about how they feel like they're in their first year again. Um, They don't really know what they're doing. Teachers are researching. Teachers are setting up their home offices. Teachers are figuring out technology. Teachers are figuring out new platforms to use. Um, Thinking about how to reach out to students, like Kiara said, in all these creative ways. Um, And so I think it rubbed me the wrong way because it made virtual teaching seem like it was so easy. And it's not. Um, It's actually, to me, harder than being in the actual classroom. Um, Virtual relationship building is going to take a lot of work. Virtual teaching is going to take a lot of work. Making sure students get access to this high quality instruction is going to take a lot of work. And don't get me wrong, we're going to do it. Educators are going to do it. But it is not a matter of holding up puppets in front of a screen and magically getting our students to learn. It takes a lot more work than that. So I think to me, that's how I process that. And that's kind of why I thought, yes, it's a cute post. It's one that I feel like people are going to share over and over again. But when you really think about it, it undermines all the work that is going into distance learning right now. Yeah. And, you know, to, to some extent, there's also this sort of, um, and, and I know I've seen this with, you know, or sorry, seen this with, with teachers is, you know, this, this isn't what we signed up for, you know, kind yeah. of mantra, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't begrudge any teacher for thinking that, you know, you're right, but we also didn't foresee a global pandemic that is kind of like all but shut down the world, you know, at, <laughs> at, at, at a various you know, point that this really truly is a weird kind of zeitgeist moment. And we're just trying to figure out what side of history are we going to be on? Are we going to be on the side that was like, well, you know, it's okay. Here's a generation of kids uh, that didn't get all the learning and we didn't maximize it. We had a hand in that. I really don't like that idea of complicity. And I understand that this isn't what we signed up for. We, We didn't sign up to be talking heads on a Zoom screen. We didn't, you know, sign up to be uh, Best Buy Geek Squad members or Apple Genius Bar, you know, attendants. I, and, and I get that and I respect that. Um, but, you know, as people that I respect like to say, you know, either you chose teaching or teaching chose you. I, I don't know any teacher and I'd love anybody to just pop on or if you're in the, you know, podcast sphere, you know, to, I guess, at me because I'm just kind of curious who was voluntold or forced into teaching? You chose it or it chose you. Um, so while I hear the complaints and the complaints are valid, we got to kind of flip that and be and be constructive. Uh, so this idea that, you know, he did it all virtually, I respect it, uh, but I also don't want that to take away from the new era that that we're in where we're dealing with students who have historically been left behind um, a system that doesn't always value all lives or all voices. Um, teachers who are given increasing amounts of work and expectations to do um, sometime with very little direction around that. So it, to me, it's certainly a false equivalent. I don't think that what he did is the same as what we're being tasked to do. Uh, because, you know, without him on the air, a generation still would have been fine because they had teachers to fall back on in the classroom. Um, <laughs> if we fail to do our jobs, uh, there will be uh, consequences to pay short and long-term for just the overall health of a society uh, because they can't go into a classroom or turn somebody on TV. So it's a bit different, um, but our consequences as teachers for not doing it, either because we're unwilling or unable, are going to be dire. And I don't mean to sound bleak, because there's also a really cool opportunity here, uh, but not acting is unconscionable. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of, I heard someone said something like, we were talking about schedules that, well, their, their, their child can watch movies for three, four, five hours at a time, and it's just fine. So they should be able to do school for that long online. And I'm like, it is, but it's not the same. <laughs> Teaching and learning takes a lot more Listen, I love to go watch, you know, Avengers Endgame three times back to back to back (laughs) in the cinema. And that's some nine hours in a theater. And I I would. I'm not saying I've done that. Maybe a friend of mine. uh, But that's beside the point. But that's totally different than, hey, here, do you want to be on a Zoom for seven hours? 
No, not particularly, unless Iron Man's going to show up and fight Captain America. But <laughs> again, it's definitely not the same. So we also have to think about what are those things that teachers are doing to get kids invested, like Katie was saying, to show that we care. Because I, I, I know that I had a handful of students just showing up to just be on the lesson with me, right? Okay. To just engage with other students or to see what game we were playing that day or what hot take question I was asking. The same thing, if your class is engaging enough, I'm convinced at the middle or high school level, you're that teacher where kids aren't cutting your class. <laughs> There's something that you're doing that they want to be in your classroom. It's going to be very apparent right after the first week or so, we kind of see those attendance or those participation numbers, who's engaging their students. And it's not to say that one teacher is better than another. So I don't want that to get twisted, but engagement is going to be a key piece. Yeah. I think that teachers that are able to effectively engage their students, the students going to see it as educational entertainment, that this is something they want to do. So joining is not going to be that difficult. If it is a slog and like, yeah, that's where you're going to get, get going to get the fatigue. I mean, think about any of us joining, right? If I'm joining a work sort of like Zoom happy hour, I could be on that thing doing, you know, talking with friends and learning for four plus hours. And I'm like, whew, nothing hurts. I'm not fatigued, no headaches whatsoever. But if you tell me I'm going to be in a seven hour Zoom session, just getting a PowerPoint that could have been an email, all of a sudden my eyes hurt. I've got a headache. I didn't get <laughs> water and it's completely different. Yeah, I think we really need to think about that too. One of the some feedback we got from parents is that our schedule uh, upcoming is a, is a lot of screen time, and what I'm trying to build in my classroom is yes, that that is a lot of time for class, but that doesn't mean in my classroom I'm not standing in front of my kids and lecturing them for six hours straight, right? So we get them the meat, like Kira was talking about. We give them the ten minutes of the content, and we let them turn off your camera. Go do your work independently. Go in a breakout room with your friends and talk about what we just, what I just went over. And that makes the time to me, it's not like they're sitting in front of the screen all day. Turn off your screen if you want. Go read, read the book independently for 15 minutes and we'll come back and talk about it. Mm -hmm. Things like that, we really have to think about um, building into, into our classroom. So it isn't, it doesn't feel like that. It doesn't feel like this long day in front of the screen and they have these opportunities for meaningful breaks. Yeah, so different strategies. How the book that you're reading, Katie, is it sharing any of those strategies? And like, I think this is a great time to say that, like, you and Kier have have done an amazing job of really owning your own learning here and being like, okay, we're going to use what was the um, thing, Kier? Nearpod. Nearpod. I was like, numpod? That's not it. Nearpod. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to use Nearpod. I, I, you know, I heard Katie say something else. that you you've done your homework here and you're Katie, you're thinking about kids going and doing work, coming back to you, like the cadence of it, right? Like the timing, um, any tips that you've learned from that cool book that you mentioned earlier? I think it was called what the distance learning playbook. Yeah. So one of the biggest things that I appreciate about that book is that it starts with thinking about you as an educator and what kind of goals you're going to set for yourself in terms of self-care. So like one of the first things that I said, like it has like note taking points. So it talks about the importance of educators during this time being able to take care of themselves. So it's like, okay, just stop and jot here. How are you going to take care of yourself? And one of the things that I just said is that every day I'm going to get up during break time and I'm going to walk and I'm going to move and I'm going to exercise so that I'm still keeping a physical um, physically healthy body, um, because I feel like I'm at my best when I'm more physically healthy. So I appreciate that the book allows for educators to first think about themselves, but in terms of some of the, um, more content or, uh, technology related tips and tricks, they definitely focus on, um, how and, uh, why and how to give feedback and the importance of feedback during this time and not just giving your lessons without providing students the feedback. Um, and then there's also a lot about content and breaking up that content and making sure students have time for that practice. And there's some just a lot of strategies in there. I really, um, I recommend that. I wish I could like go over all of it, but I really just, it's an easy read. It's a quick read. And I think it's an easy uh, book club for teachers to involve themselves in and to study. And I know it's like one more thing that teachers really might not have time for, but I feel like it really made me be like, okay, I can do this. Right. Um, and I think, a lot of teachers are very anxious right now about how they're going to do it. And so reading that made me feel like I could do it. That's awesome. What small wins are you like 
what either in terms of from the book that gave you an idea for it, but what small wins are you both looking for as you launch into the school year? Like it might even just be like, I want I, my small win would be seeing 20 of my 22 students show up. Um, I, I'd love to know like what you're thinking in terms of like, this is a small win and then it's leading to a big win. Like what are your, what are your goals for this? Maybe let's just say the first few weeks, we'll start small. (laughs) I think my small win, but really is the biggest win. And my goal of the first few weeks is to get students to not dread virtual learning. This can be a joyous, happy place where we are going to learn. And that's going to get me the biggest bang for my buck as we um, continue through the year. I just really want my students to know, just like in my own classroom, that this is a safe place. This is a happy place. And I don't want this to be a place that you dread logging in every single day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think a small win for me, just getting back to some of the little things in teaching. So like the little things that I miss would be standing outside of my classroom, greeting students in the morning as they're coming up probably hassling one or two of them to get me some breakfast. Um, <laughs> you know, um, am I allowed to say that for people in the district? Whoever, sometimes extra breakfast will land at my desk, but I just miss some. There's always food. extra, Kier. There's always, always extra. Always extra, yeah. It's like, okay, because this mouth needs to be like fed and I like <laughs> breakfast. I really like eating breakfast, but I still have to say that I just miss the small things. Like, yes, I miss sort of, you know, delivering a lesson to students, but it's really just the rapport Uh, hanging out online, checking in on students to make sure that they're well. Um, I always sort of ask, how are you doing mentally and emotionally today? And is there anything that we can do to support you? Like I just, getting back on the road to we're almost there uh, really helps my mind kind of take a lot of what is going on, um, especially on the periphery as an adult, that can be really nerve wracking kids have a way of kind of like looking past all of that in their innocence and just getting back to, I'm just really happy to be in a space with my teacher and with my friends. And I really want to learn. So as Katie was saying, it's kind of up to us to, to, to uphold that end of the bargain that they're showing up and wanting to be in the space to learn. The least that I can do is show up and be available to teach. Yeah. I was thinking about that earlier when you guys were talking about the SEL the fun fun SEL cards and everything. Um, so, you know, all, all that little stuff you have to be a lot more intentional about, right? That's mm-hmm. all those yeah. just little conversations you have with kids, talking to them at recess or at lunch, all those things. And I liked what you guys talked about with like, you have to take some time <laughs> to yeah. do those things. Well, constant we have all that really time. important. You know, like Katie was saying, constant check-ins. Also making sure that students and families have have resources in case something's going on. You know, like um, I shared with my students that if something's really going on and if you need to talk to someone who has far more experience and is actually trained, um, you know, where I'm not, text H-O-M-E to 741-741. And we talked about, you know, what are those things that you should be talking to family about and what are some things that you might use that line for? But, you know, when we talk about a lot of maybe some things that are going on in the life of a student, there are a lot of things that can impact learning. And I'm not saying that we've forgotten about this, but the building itself even though we know that some buildings are wanting on resources or whatever here in the district, the building also neutralizes and equalizes a lot of hurt uh, that might be going on outside of school. So the fact that students are at home so often, um, you know, they might be going through something or a family member might've gone through something uh, lost uh, to COVID. Um, And again, as much as it is important to focus on SEL, we always have to be checking in on students. We need to be checking in on ourselves uh, because a secondary trauma that we're incurring bearing the brunt of making history, as Lori said, um, that's, that's a lot. Like, my shoulders are pretty weighed down already. Um, and the weight of this is on every teacher's shoulders. Um, collectively, I think that we can kind of help lessen some of that burden by just working together. Yeah. Oh, so I feel like you've already given a ton of advice so far. <laughs> but we're going to ask y'all for one more piece of advice. Um, if you can leave the teachers, the administrators, the moms and dads listening what is one piece of advice that you would give them heading into 
their first day of school tomorrow. <laughs> Ooh. Well, <laughs> so mine will be twofold. I think when it comes to professional development, right, if you're a teacher here in Baltimore City um, and looking forward to August 26th or just PD in general, go back to the basic norms of assuming best intent, valuing your voice and experience and what you bring to the table and making sure that you can be present, like mentally present in everything that's going on. Um, recognize that you don't have all the answers. Like anybody can be an armchair CEO, right? Anybody can be the armchair chief academic officer, but recognizing that we don't have all the answers and it's going to be tough to expect others to have all of them too. It's that sort of like accept and respect non-disclosure and non-closure sometimes that you might see in a training. Mm-hmm. I think that that's how we have to approach the year. Um, advice in terms of meeting our kids, reach out to parents and families, guardians before, build a connection with the students. So as I'm making my calls, I want to talk to the student if they're at home and free, in addition to the guardian that I'm making contact with. Um, and if we could pop on a, even a five or 10 minute Zoom so we can build that trust. Remember, you can't spell trust without us. So when it comes to students, it's building the rapport and the trust early making sure that it's an SEL focus and you save content for a while. I think the district understands that it might be a week, two week, three week runway before we can really hammer content. And we have to be okay with that. And like I said, when we're dealing with other adults, not everyone has the answers, nor do you. So let's focus on whatever locus is that we can control. That's the easiest way to make sure that we can have that positive uh, mindset and positive framing. Yeah. Super great point, especially get that connection in early. Like even if you're listening and your school year's already started, you know, I love the idea of just a quick Zoom chat, maybe like a snack Zoom chat or something to get the families involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Katie, what do you, what's your piece of advice? Mike, drop it at the end here, girl. That's a lot of pressure. Usually I let Kieran do my thing. He's going to sing for us. He's going to sing at the end. Okay, good. Um, so I went and got the distance learning playbook because they're on the side of the book. There's like small little quotes that really resonated with me that they highlight. And I breathed a sigh of relief when I read where it says, although you may be new to distance learning, you aren't new to education. So this is my advice to teachers. You are a great teacher. You know, your students, you know, how to teach, you know, how to love students, you know, how to teach them, you know, what your students need. You're just new to digital education, but you're not new to education. So my advice to students, my students will tell you all the time, what does Miscotti always say? Miscotti always says, you've got this, right? So I will say that to parents, I will say that to teachers, and I'll say it to my students all the time. It's going to be hard. It is, but we're in it together and we've got this. We've got it together. So just, I think just reiterating that we, I don't know, for teachers, we're teachers at heart. Um, We know what we're doing. Um, for the most part inside the classroom and we just have to figure out and we I, I really I know it's hard but we will make it work that's what we do and it isn't magic it's hard work but we do make it work um, so yeah that's my advice um, and the other one was for teachers and thinking about setting up your digital classroom it says being proactive not reactive is key so we have to do a lot of work in the beginning so proactive in setting up exactly what my Google Classroom is going to look like, being proactive in sharing that with parents, making an asynchronous video with uh, Loom. Is it Loom? Loom, or you can use Camtasia. Shameless okay. plug for that as well. Right. So uh, I <laughs> one of those, like guide your parents and students exactly through that Google Classroom and how to turn an assignment and how to get um, the PowerPoint from the day if they missed it and how to access that video. Um, because the front loading that is going to alleviate a lot of parent anxiety and student anxiety that would come after if that's not shared in the very beginning. So I guess my mic drop is just, you've got this. We've got it together. Here, that's not as good as yours. You've got to do better than that. No, that's so good. I think that's perfect. All I was going to just chime in with, it ain't no lie. So podcast. <laughs> bye, bye, bye. 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 <laughs> here's what I like I like how there's four of us on the podcast but only two of us ever sing that line together so I think you need to do it again here and I think that needs to be I don't uh, want to be a fool for you because it ain't no lie baby bye 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 wow 
Now here's the thing. Um, <laughs> we're we're going to need to run that through post and kind of fix some things. Yeah. When Melissa's editing, Melissa, fix the the little um, the bars. Just like Bring just it down like... a little bit. No. <laughs> just kidding. Kira, that was fabulous. We just need an audio warning uh, if there are any people with sensitive hearing listening because uh, I don't want anything bad to happen to the podcast and viewers. <laughs> just... No, we are we are so grateful that you you two took the time to come back and talk with us again. Your first episode was a hit um, and we just are so excited. You guys have got this. Tomorrow is day one of history being made, right? That's right. And I'm really right. excited. So we're going to say good luck and have the best first day ever. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> Thank, so you. Thank you. Guys. Bye, guys. <laughs> Bye. Good night. Bye. Bye. Bye.